Jesus said in Matthew 4 that man shall not live by bread alone. But we can't do without it either. We need bread or something similar to sustain our physical lives, to nourish our physical bodies. And if we ignore our physical bodies or try to live as though we were not limited by the needs of our physical bodies like food and water and sleep, then our bodies will suffer as a result. A lack of proper nourishment takes a toll. Now, real as that problem is, that's not what Jesus has in mind in Matthew 4. He does not say we need bread to live, although that's true. And he doesn't say that we don't live by bread. What he does say is that we cannot live by bread alone. So what else do we need to live? He goes on to say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus says we need God's word in order to live. Not because if you don't read the Bible or listen to the Bible that your physical body will be malnourished, but because you are more than your physical body. You also have a soul. You are also a spiritual being. And so just as you need bread and water and sleep to nourish and sustain your physical body, there's something you need to sustain and nourish your spiritual life as well. And that is God's Word. That's what Jesus means when he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now you may have given some thought about how to take care of your physical life in the new year. But have you given thought to how you will nourish your spiritual life this year? Goals and plans for taking care of your physical body are good. Don't hear me say otherwise. But they are not enough. Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Mark did an excellent job last week of reminding us of the importance of training ourselves for godliness, of growing in Christ's likeness. And my goal this morning is to come alongside him and join him in that effort by encouraging you to think about your spiritual nourishment through God's word. I I love to start each year by reminding us about the importance of scripture. And these two things go together, right? Because without the nourishment of God's word, you can't grow spiritually. And we want to grow. It's imperative that we grow. So how do we grow and why do we need scripture for that growth? Well, again, Jesus makes that plain in Matthew 4.4 that we can't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that's because true life is not merely 
keeping our bodies alive. True life involves living in fellowship with God. Living in fellowship with Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Right? God is life. And so if we are going to have true life, lasting life, eternal life, spiritual life, we need to receive nourishment. Right? We need to receive life from God Himself. And in order to receive that, we need to be connected to Him, right? We need to have fellowship with Him. We need to have communion with Him. And that communion, that fellowship that we experience with God, comes through His Word. Through reading, listening to, hearing, meditating on, memorizing Scripture. And why is that? What is so special about this book? What is so special about God's Word. Well, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy, which we read from earlier, that all Scripture is breathed out by God. I want you to think about that image for a minute. All Scripture is breathed out by God. I I talked with the kids a moment ago about how in the beginning when God made the first man, He breathed into him the breath of life. That's not that different from what Paul's saying here about Scripture. That Scripture is breathed out by God. Right? This is God communicating to us, communicating life to us, even. God's Word comes directly from God, so that whether you're reading Matthew or Isaiah or Genesis or Revelation or wherever you are, those words are not ultimately the words of Moses or Matthew or John. They are ultimately the words of God. Put most simply, when the Bible speaks, God himself speaks. When you listen to the Bible, you are listening to God. When you encounter the scripture, you are encountering the very words of God. And Paul says that scripture, which is breathed out by God, is profitable. It's good. It has a good impact upon us. It changes us. It does things for us. We need it. And all of it is good for us. Paul says all scripture, not just some scripture, Not just your favorite parts of Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need all of it. And all of it is good for us. Because all of it is true and trustworthy. Paul also says later in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, after he charges Timothy to preach the word, to proclaim the word, he says, one of the reasons why he should be ready to do this all the time, is because he says the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Paul says, Timothy, you've got to keep preaching the word. You've got to be ready at all times to proclaim God's truth because there's coming a time, and it's here, right, when people are going to wander away from the truth into myths. And what they're going to do is they're going to seek out teachers 
who will tell them what they want to hear, who will scratch the itch that they have, because that's what they want. And he said they will be teachers who suit their own passions. I want us to think for a moment, especially about that phrase, teachers to suit their own passions. What does he mean by that? We all have sinful passions and desires in our hearts. And we need the Spirit's help to keep those in check, to put those to death, to resist the temptation, to give way to those sinful passions, to live according to those sinful desires. And God's Word helps us do that. Hebrews 4 says the Word of God is a, is a sword, a double-edged sword, right? And it pierces to the division of soul and spirit, it says, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The, the Spirit uses the Scripture to reveal those sinful desires in our heart and convict us about them and help us to resist those temptations. That's one of the reasons why we need God's Word and why uh, if we ignore it or turn from it or drown it out, we're likely to get ourselves in trouble. And that's also why it's so dangerous, so concerning, when people accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Instead of listening to the preaching of the Word or giving ourselves to the the reading or hearing of God's Word, if instead we seek out teachers who tell us what we want to hear, whose teaching suits our own passions, then those sinful passions are not put in check. We are not convicted. Instead, we are encouraged in them. right? Or at least told not to worry about them. Now, you don't have to stop going to church for that to happen. You don't have to change religions for that to happen. All you have to do is go to a church or listen to people who will tell you what you want to hear who won't step on your toes, who won't ever challenge you, who won't ever talk about sin, or just won't talk about the sins that you struggle with. They're always talking about other people's sins. Today, it is easier than ever to accumulate for yourselves teachers who will suit your own passions. Uh, you, you can create for yourself, you can cultivate for yourself a bubble where all you hear, all the news, all the teaching, all the information you encounter is suited to you. Where it sounds like everybody agrees with you. At least everybody who knows what they're talking about agrees with you. Because you're just listening to people who know what you want to hear and they're feeding you what you want to hear and it just reinforces what you already think and what you already want to do. Cable news, podcasts, social media, even some who claim to be Christian voices, they are committed to telling you what you want to hear. Because that's how they get your attention. That's how they get your money. That's how they get your clicks, your views, all those kinds of things. So here's what we need to ask ourselves. Think about a voice you are committed to listening to on a regular basis. Could be 
the news you watch, could be the podcast you listen to, could be the books you read, the radio, I mean, whatever it is. Think about a voice you listen to regularly and ask yourself this. Is that voice stirring up or affirming sinful passions in me? Or is that voice encouraging me to resist sinful passions? Is that voice I'm listening to stirring up anger or pride? Or is it instead cultivating humility and Christ-like character? Is that voice always telling me I'm right? Or is it encouraging me to look at where I might be wrong? Is it encouraging me to hate certain groups of people, see them as my enemies? Or is it encouraging me to see even my enemies as those who are made in God's image, who I should pray for, even if they persecute me? Is that voice lining up with the voice of Jesus? Or is that voice lining up with the voice of my own sinful flesh? Those voices are everywhere. They're easy to access. They work hard to get and keep your attention. So what can we do to combat that? What can we do to make sure we are regularly listening to Scripture with consistency and commitment so that we are regularly hearing the truth and so that the truth does not get drowned out by those other voices. There are a couple ways that uh, we can do this, and the first one might not be the one you would expect. One of the chief ways that the Bible has set up for us to have our spiritual lives nourished through Scripture is through the public reading of God's Word in worship. That might not be the first place our mind goes and we think, okay, how are we going to engage the Bible this year? But that is one of the primary ways the Bible says we should expect to experience and encounter God's Word. We know that Paul charged Timothy to preach the Word. But do you also know that Paul charged Timothy in 1 Timothy 14... Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Why would he do that? Why would Paul say to Timothy that it is terribly important that you give yourself, that you devote yourself to reading Scripture publicly? To reading it as a part of the church's worship. It is because that is one of the primary ways God has designed for us to encounter and respond to God's word. We see this in other places in the New Testament as well. For example, in in Revelation chapter 1, John says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. He's not saying, hey, you get an extra blessing if while you're reading this book by yourself at home, you read it aloud. That's, That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the person who is going to read aloud the book to the church in worship. And we know that because he says, 
Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. In other words, he's going to read, somebody's going to read aloud this book, and others are going to be hearing it, but it's not enough to hear it, you also need to keep it, you need to do it. And this is something that's going to happen in the context of worship, right? that is for our spiritual blessing, for us to read aloud and hear and respond to God's word. That's God's intention. At the end of the book of Colossians, Paul says, When this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. So you read this letter aloud, read their letter aloud, make sure they read your letter aloud. Uh, at the end of 1 Thessalonians, in uh, 5.27, Paul says to that church, he says, I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. It is of chief importance, in other words, in God's word for God's people to hear God's word together. See, spending time in God's word on your own, that's important too. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But when you hear God's word to happen, when you hear God's word together, something happens corporately in community that doesn't happen privately. When we hear God's word together, everybody knows you've heard it. Everybody's accountable to it. Because everybody knows now that you know what scripture says because you heard the same thing I heard this morning. You can't claim ignorance. You can't say, I didn't know. You can't say, I've never heard that. I know you heard that. Because you heard it with me. I heard it too. It also builds community in the body of Christ because it reminds us this is why we're together. This is why we are unified. These are the words that have given us life. These are the words that we believe. These are the words that communicate to us the kind of life that we are supposed to live. We are in this together. These are the kinds of people that God has called us to be and that we are aiming to be and that God's word is given to us to help us be. Jesus himself participated in this practice of the public reading of Scripture in Luke chapter 4. He goes to the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. And it says, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. Why? Because that was a regular part of their worship. And he said, I'm going to read today. And it says, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In the context of worship, as the word of God was read by Jesus, who is himself the word of God, the good news of the gospel was announced to them, that he had come to bring redemption, to bring liberty, to bring forgiveness 
Right? One of the reasons why it's so important that we read the Scripture aloud together is because here we hear the good news of salvation by grace through faith in Christ and that all are invited to believe it and receive it and respond to it. We see this practice in the Old Testament as well. One of the, one of the chief examples is in the book of Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 8. The exiles of Israel have returned to the promised land. They're rebuilding the temple. They're rebuilding the wall. All of those things. And they come together in this significant moment in Nehemiah 8. Where it says, All the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that God had commanded Israel. They said, We're all getting together. And Ezra, we want you to bring the book. You bring God's word, because we need to hear it. So it goes on to say, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly. And and who was there? Both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. The public reading of scripture in worship is an Old Testament practice and a New Testament practice, and it is intended for your spiritual nourishment. It is intended for your good. So one of the things I want you to think about is how you engage in, how you participate in the public reading of Scripture. How can you, in in Nehemiah it says that the people listened attentively. We know there's a difference between listening and listening attentively. How do you listen attentively when the word of God is read? How do you help yourself stay engaged? That's going to be different for everybody. Right? You might uh, look up the passage when you get here before the service starts and find it in your Bible and kind of get a sense of what you're going to be hearing so that when you hear it, it's not brand new. You kind of know what you're listening for. Or maybe you like to open your Bible and, and read along as the scripture is being read. Or maybe you will jot down, you know, like a key phrase or word or something that you hear. Or, or maybe, you, maybe it helps you to close your eyes while you're listening or whatever it is. My encouragement to you is to, to recognize that when we enter that moment, or sometimes it's multiple moments, right? Where we are hearing God's word read in, in worship. Think about the fact that that's not just like a a place filler in the service. That's not just here because we're supposed to do it. That's here to minister to you. That's here to nourish you and encourage you and feed you. So make sure you don't neglect it. Make sure you don't miss the opportunity to hear God speak. So we need the nourishment, the spiritual nourishment of God's word. One of the ways we experience that is through the public reading of scripture and worship. And then the other one I want to talk about is what we do privately or personally. Our own meditation on God's word. Psalm 1 paints a beautiful picture of the way God's word nourishes the one 
who gives attention to it regularly. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So there's blessing, Psalm 1 says, for the person who is regularly meditating on God's word. Now, meditating on God's word day and night can sound intimidating. Ooh, that sounds like, you know, only like priests or pastors or somebody could do that. I've got stuff I've got to do all day. And meditation, I'm not even sure I know what that is or how to do that. That sounds hard. Here's what he's saying. He's not, he's, first of all, when he says day and night, he doesn't mean every minute of every day that's all you're doing because nobody could do that. What he means is just throughout the day, throughout your life, it's a regular part of your day. It's not just, you know, on Sundays or just, you know, a minute here or there. But throughout the day, Scripture is running through your mind. You're thinking about it. That's what meditation is, the way the Bible talks about it. It's not meditation like we normally think about, you know, where you're trying to empty your mind of everything. It's instead filling your mind with God's Word, thinking about what God has said, mulling it over. Reminding yourself of it. This is one of the reasons why um, scripture memory can be so helpful. Because memorizing scripture is essentially meditating on it. You're just thinking over the same words over and over and over until they get stuck in your mind. And so sometimes we think, well, I, I know if I memorize scripture, I mean, I'm guilty of this. I know if I memorize scripture, I'll have it stuck for a while, but then after a while, it's going to be gone. So what's the point? Well, the point is not for it to be there forever. The point is for you to be going over it now and to have it available. And it's, it's probably not ever going to be really gone anyway. You might not remember it as fully as you did when you were memorizing it, but it's, it's going to be there. That's what he's talking about. Going over, thinking over God's word throughout the day. If you do that, he says, you're going to be blessed. And he describes what that blessing looks like as well. When he says, he, the person who thinks on God's word, who loves God's word, he is like a tree planted by streams of water. A tree planted by streams of water is always nourished because the water is right there. It doesn't have to worry about, you know, drought. It doesn't have to worry about where it's going to get enough water. It, it, the stream is right there. It's constantly fed. And if you are constantly giving attention to God's word, whether that's reading it, listening to it, memorizing it, whatever it is, if you are regularly giving attention to God's word, you are regularly receiving nourishment for your soul. You're like a tree that has been planted right there by the stream and you take in all you need as you regularly listen to, read, think about God's word. And as a result, it says that this tree planted by streams of water yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. It has constant life. It is fruitful because it is well nourished. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There are a multitude of ways that you can engage in Scripture. 
that you can listen to Scripture, that you can meditate on Scripture. There are Bible reading plans. There are Bible memorization plans. You can listen to the Bible. We have long Scripture readings in our worship services for this very purpose. We have uh, Bible studies uh, in Sunday school. We have Bible study on Sunday night. There are apps you can... I mean, there's all kinds of things, right? There's no want of resources when it comes to engaging God's Word. But we must not forget that the reason why we need it it's not so we can feel good about ourselves and say, like, I'm a good Christian because I, I, do, I do this much Bible reading or I do this much memorization. It's not about that. It's about the need for nourishment. It's about the need to hear from God. It's about the way that we commune with God and experience fellowship with God as we listen to God speak to us through His Word. Because bread alone will not suffice for real life, for life with God. For that, we need every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's pray.